Hello and welcome into the home of Chivas USA Talk. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always, joining with me from the other side of the country is Ivis Kalarsev. How are you doing, Ivis? Hola, Garrett. ¿Cómo estás esta noche? Uh, muy bien, gracias. ¿Y tú? Estoy bien. Estoy un poco cansado, pero estoy listo para el programa. That's all the Spanish I know, man. I'm horrible. I live in Arizona and I speak no Spanish. Yeah, you know, that's pretty bad. I, mean, I, I only know live, bad words. Of all the states to live in and not I, speak Spanish. I only know the bad the words because when you play pickup at the park, I mean, they all yell at you, and you have to yell back. So, I mean, I can say all the bad words that I know. Uh, well, I don't know. You you, should, you, you probably should get Rosetta Stone. Um, I think Dan Kennedy might have a copy he can lend you. I think he's pretty much finished with it now. It's it's bad. I I need to learn it. I was. How do you, how do you know Spanish so well? Well, I am Peruvian. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That might be why. <laughs> yeah, right over my head. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ivis, as as we said, we, this we are now the official home of Chivas USA Talk. Uh, the latest trade that went down, I, I had to reread this twice. I, I I couldn't believe what I was reading. Shauri Joseph is going to Seattle, and Chivas USA is pretty much also giving Seattle a bunch of extra stuff on top of that. I, I mean, Ivis, what do you make of this trade? Well, the first thing I say is, you know, when I read the full details of it, uh. I, I couldn't I couldn't see I couldn't read it and actually process it in my head. Uh, I was tipped off on the trade earlier in the afternoon, and uh, we, we you know we broke it on the on the site on SBI. But even then, you know you know my sources told me the details, and I I just I I just assumed I just couldn't factor in the idea that that Chivas was giving up everything in the trade. Uh, but it, it it basically it just boils down to once again Chivas USA having the right idea and wanting to make a move. But just making it in a way that they were, they just gave up too much or didn't get enough. And that's kind of been the MO this entire offseason for them. Is they make, you know, you can understand why they want to make some of the moves they make, but at each and every time, it seems like they, they just give up a little more than they should. And it goes down to the, their lack of experience well, in MLS. And what the trade is, is Chivas USA is sending second round picks in the 2014 and 2015 MLS drafts to Seattle with Joseph and. They're giving the number three spot in the MLS allocation order. I mean, dude, Seattle. I mean, but the thing is, though, as much as yeah, this looks really good for Seattle. Well, Joseph now takes a DP spot for them, and, and that's and that might be. The, the, I don't know why maybe Chivas had to give up all those spots. I, you you kind of wonder what, how that how that's now going to going to come to pass. Well, it's clear that Chivas USA wanted to get rid of Joseph. They didn't have him in their plans. They didn't think he was worth the money. And they also didn't want to tie up that designated player slot. So it wasn't going to be a case of, of them, you know, dealing him and, and then maybe potentially somehow keeping, uh, you know, having him in their DP slot. I mean, that's probably not even allowed by, by MLS rules, which is probably why this trade had to, had to you know, come about this way. It, it, you know, you understand why Chivas does it. But again, did they really have to give up the number three slot in, in the allocation order? Yes, you can argue that, you know, how much interest does Chivas USA have in returning U.S. national team players or returning league players into MLS, how much interest can they have in that? That being said, it's still a bargaining chip. It's still a commodity. It's still something that other teams will have interest in trading for down the line. You don't just give it up in a deal as a throw-in. You, you know, you, you can't. You have to hold on to these things, and that's and again, once again, it's them 
you know, being at the bargaining table and being overmatched, you know, Siggy Schmidt, I mean, let's face it, you know, who has more experience than him? Not many. There aren't many teams that have as much experience as as he does in in wheeling and dealing in MLS. So you you had to think Chivas USA was pretty mismatched at that negotiating table. Yeah, and it just – but the thing is, 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 I mean, when you look at all the trades that they've made so far, Ivis, they they just – they haven't – really brought in anything that you say okay well i mean at least they're making these trades they're bringing in good picks or they're they're getting in good money i, I just I, I think it's like they're just giving these guys away and, and i think at the end of the day when, when you when you i guess when you have to give it a letter grade right you, you have to let's just say we we're giving a giving chivas usa letter grade for all these trades i mean you had to give them a d or an f for 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 not getting any value back in return well the thing is you, you have you can't give a grade yet until you see what they do with the salary cap space. And and that's what it's going to come down to. They have this designated player spot open. They have spots open. What are they going to do with them? Now, if if, if their owner, Jorge Vergara, starts spending some money, and, and if he brings in some big-name Mexican players to be the stars on the team, then you're talking. Then, then you can kind of understand the logic. You can say there's a plan in place. Now it's all coming together. And you know what? That still could happen. But at this point, it hasn't happened. They've made all these deals to to clear the decks. Uh, they've gotten rid of all of the big, pretty much every big salary that they had on their books. Uh, Juan Pablo Angel left. Uh, Alejandro Moreno's gone. Uh, they got rid of Danny Califf. They got rid of uh, you know Casey Townsend. Not that he was a big salary, but but still, they 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 got rid of pretty much you know so many veterans players, non Latino American, Mexican Americans, or Mexican players that you know they have a ton of room now. They have roster spots. They have salary cap space. Now they have to, you know, make good on on the moves they gotta make. I mean, for me right now, the only move that I can think of that they made where they added some, well, what I would consider a positive interest. They kept saying Kennedy. Is the rights that's to the best Bornstein, move. The, the rights to Jonathan Bornstein. If they bring him back, that's a pretty big score for them because I think he's a he's a top MLS defender. At least he was before he left, and he should still be quality. But they they need. I mean, they I think they need four, five, six players still. Well, hey, the best move they made was keeping Dan Kennedy. I mean, hands down. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, they, the, <laughs> the fact that they came close to trading him, it's it just shows you how close they are. And maybe, you know, you, you want to hope that the, maybe they're learning that maybe that was the turning point for them to, to realize that, you know, we we can't just do everything that comes to our minds. We have to think things through. And Dan Kennedy has way too much value, not just because of the fact that he's one of the top, if not the top goalkeeper in the league, but he's a Cali native. He's He speaks Spanish. He has history with the team. The fans love him. The the, the fans that the Chivas USA fans that are there, they you know they love him as a player. Uh, you know, so you, you, you just that's just way too much value there, and and you have to hold on to someone like that. Um, and, and hey, you know, to, the guy, a guy with who's a great player has movie star looks and speaks Spanish. I mean, come on. I mean, they'd be nuts to get rid of him. So, he's he's going to he's going to stay there. As much as people think they're going to get rid of every single non-Latino player there, he is going to stay there for this year. I think he's it's safe to say that he's safe. He's not going anywhere. Uh now they just have to figure out what they're going to do with all these empty spots. Well, and uh yeah, yeah, they're going yeah, they're they're going to need what we we talked about this though. I mean, the season's going to start here in a couple weeks, and it's not like guys are just good talents just sitting around doing nothing on the couch. Uh, all right, Ivis, another positive MLS news, because I feel like we're always being negative on this show for some reason. I don't know why we are. I'll blame it on you. Uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps <laughs> have gone out and signed uh, Johnny Leveron. He is a Honduran. He captained his team in the uh, surprising run that Honduras had in the 2002, uh, 2012 excuse me, 
uh, Summer Olympics. Some Summer Olympics. He plays defender. He'll be center back for the team. Uh, I mean, this looks like a good pickup for Vancouver here. Oh, without a doubt. You know, he, he to bring in a quality, a relatively young defender with some some international experience gives them added depth at center back. Uh, you know, you have a, an older, a veteran player like Jaden Merritt. He, he's got a bit of an Achilles problem now. Uh, so he's a bit of a question mark for the start of the season. But just talking long term, uh, you know, Leveron is that kind of talented Central American player who, who you can maybe develop and, uh, and, and, and turn into a player who, who you sell or, or a player who, you know, becomes a star in MLS. I mean, he has that kind of quality. He was part of that Honduran Olympic team mm-hmm. that did so well. So you, so you want to see how he fits in there. As we get closer here to the season, uh, we're going to have different coaches come on and, and talk about their teams and preview their teams. And, and the first coach that we're going to have on is uh, John Hackworth. And he, you know, Ivis, when, when you look at him, you know, you know, he, he turned around the union last year at the end of the season, and he's had this whole off season to to make the team in, in the way that he wants. And and you have to assume that obviously, you know, union are probably going to be a little better than they were last year. You know they should be. They, uh, they they gave they gave a nice nucleus of young players some playing time, and you you, you saw what you saw was a good group of guys who who really kind of came of age uh, last year. When you talk about guys like Jack McInerney, Amobi Akugo, uh, Michael Farfan, and and Zach McMath, that that quartet of players that that really got serious playing time last year. Yeah, and you have to think that you now with with that season under their belt under their belt, they're all going to come in. And maybe and and hopefully for the union take that next step up in the progression, uh, but the key for them one of the keys for them was definitely adding adding some veteran quality which, which mm-hmm. you know they needed they needed some some leadership they needed some older players some experience, and they were able to do that this off season uh, and with within MLS uh, adding some guys in MLS like Jeff Park and Connor Casey and bringing back Sebastian Latou which was was probably the biggest move of the off season for them. Uh, a fan favorite and someone who was their best, you know, their best player the first two years in the league. Yeah, and and the, the I mean, you're right. I mean, there's a, there's a good mixture of youth and experience on this team, and, and that seems to be the model for MLS teams and success that they have going into the season. And speaking of John Hackworth, we have him on the phone. He is the head coach of the Philadelphia Union. John, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. It is a pleasure having you on. Uh, now that you had the uh, full off season to to make the team and the setup that you would like with the formations and the players that you've had, you know, when, when you look at the preseason, going to be ending here pretty soon. You know, how comfortable are you with this team heading into the season? Uh, we're we're pretty confident. Um, I mean, we're we're also pretty humble because uh, we know the competition and up there is fierce. But we feel good about the moves we've made in the off season and and the way preseason has gone. Um, We've stuck to our plan, and uh, we think we have uh, improved as we've gone through this preseason. The guys have done a tremendous job, so full credit to the players um, because it's always tough in preseason, but so far, so good. Now, John, uh, obviously last season you had a really young team. You ended the year with a really young squad. and This offseason you've been able to, to add some quality veteran players, obviously bringing back the two and adding uh, guys like Jeff Park and, and Connor Casey. Can you just talk about the, the veterans that you've brought in and how they've kind of stepped into this this really young locker room and, and how's that how's that kind of symbiosis, how's that going, that, that mix? Well, it's, it's interesting because we went from being, you know, uh, having a younger average age than a lot of college teams last year and uh, with those old guys that you just mentioned that we added, we're, we're probably right back in the, the middle ground. So uh, 
but the the veteran leadership has been great because you know that's kind of what we weren't just missing that, but we certainly missed out on having enough of those kind of veterans um, and having guys like Park and and Latou and, and Baki, um, you know, add those guys to Chris Albright and Brian Carroll. And, and, you know, now we have a good balance of veteran leadership as well as uh, still have the core of our, our players pretty young. Now, now you mentioned Baki, uh, Baki Sumari. Obviously, last year when he, when he signed, he, you know, he had a knee issue uh, that kept him on the sidelines. He really, really wasn't able to play much for you guys. But now it sounds like he's doing really well in preseason. And, and for those who don't remember him uh, when he was in MLS before, he's one of the league's best defenders. Can you talk about where he stands right now and, and, and talk about the state of your defense? Now, you obviously lost Carlos Valdez, but you have Baki and you have Jeff Park. Yeah, look, um, we're definitely going to miss Carlos. Uh, he was fantastic for us last year and, and it was really a down year for our club. Um, but we're really excited because to, to add Jeff to our, our club and to have Baki be 100% healthy um, really changes our, our, our back line. Um, you know, we, we feel good about our young outside backs and then you add two, arguably, you know, two very experienced and and good center backs in our league, um, uh, and that changes things. So it's been a good pairing through the uh, preseason so far, and we just hope it continues. When when you when you talk about the veteran leadership having it back, you know, one player who made a name for himself in Philadelphia, that was Sebastian Latou. How big is his presence back having him on the team? It's good because it changes everything in the city. Um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about the past, but – now, there was a lot of people that were upset about that, and uh, and having him back uh, has given a lot of people um, some hope that uh, maybe we can get back to to how we started this uh, organization. And uh, but you know he's one of those guys that uh, he comes to work every day, and you know that he's going to put it all in. Um, he shows that in games continually, and uh, um, it's a little bit contagious, and that's. You know, one of the things that we want to be, you know, we want to create an attacking style and, and almost a, a brand of, of the kind of soccer the Philadelphia Union plays, and he certainly fits that very well. And talk a little bit about his pairing right now with Connor Casey and uh, integrating him with Connor Casey and McNeary uh, in the forward position for you. Yeah, I mean, we got some exciting forwards. Um, you know, last year we kind of had Jack out there on his own a little bit. Um, but, but Jack has come into camp and done really well. Um, so he and Sebastian have probably paired the, the, the best so far. Um, Connor Casey is, you know, uh, I think uh, underrated at, at this point in his career. Um, you know, in, in 2010, uh, with the season he had leading Colorado to the MLS Cup, uh, you know, I was on the staff with the, the men's national team when he scored, uh, you know, to put us in the World Cup Finals. So, I mean, I think we added a, a, a player that has a lot of skill sets that we never had before. So um, it's been really good to, to have some options in preseason. Um, and, you know, we played a couple games last week back-to-back, uh, -back, and um, while Seba and Jack did one thing, and um, I should mention young uh, Antoine Hopeno, uh pairing him with uh, Connor, you know, worked really well, and, we're able to get a couple goals in, uh, in our game versus Toronto. So, you know, it's, it's good. It's really good. And those aren't the only guys. Um, so, 
uh, but so far so good with them. Now, now last year when you, when you, you got a chance to play some young guys uh, in the second half of the season, uh, a few guys obviously stepped up and, and, and played really well. You know, you mentioned Mac, uh, Jack McInerney was one. Uh, you know, Zach McMath obviously stepped into a starting role. And you also had Amobi Okugo, uh, who really kind of broke out in in a center back uh, position, which which isn't even his original position. How, how important are those guys? To, how important is it that those guys take that next step? And, and how are they looking uh, in the preseason? Well, I already mentioned Jack, uh, but, you know, Zach has now come into a year uh, where he knows he's the starter here. And I think that's a big difference from last year when he came in and he had Fareed Mondrid on in front of him. And then when Fareed kind of left um, and surprised all of us, uh, you know, Zach was the, the natural choice. But it's a little different mindset. So Zach has been, I think, you know, a lot of those young guys learned a lot and none more so than, than Zach. And we look for him to, to build on the experience that he got last year. Um, Amobi, you mentioned, uh, probably one of the, the, the surprises in our league because he was so good as a central defender. Um, but us adding Jeff and, and Baki uh, allow us to push Amobi back in a more much more natural position and, and play him in the midfield. So you know, he's only 21 years old. Um, I think he has a tremendously bright future and, and uh, we hope that he continues to be a really important piece of what we have in our building here in Philadelphia. Now, one of the one of the big big topics this off season has been uh, the situation with Freddie Adu. Obviously, he's still on the roster, and you guys are are, are in talks trying to figure out uh, wh- what happens next. Uh, obviously, he's not with the team, and he's not going to come back to the team. But you guys have to kind of work out the contract situation. What, what what can you say about where that stands? And I mean, has there been progress? And and are you confident in, in something getting resolved here before you know soon at some point, sometime soon? Look, I would love to report that there's been progress, but to be perfectly frank, um, we haven't really had any progress. Um, you know, we've worked really hard. Um, I think both both parties have to try to find some options um, that work for both of us. And unfortunately, nothing has uh, come through. And so we're, we're basically still in the same place we were before. Right. And, and and just one follow up on that. I mean, how, how much does that kind of affect what you guys are able to do? I mean, obviously, he, he's on a big number. Uh, it, I mean, are you guys pretty handcuffed as far as just building a team when you kind of have that that salary spot kind of held up? Yeah, it's certainly not easy. Um, you know, it limits uh, not only the roster spot, but, but significantly impacts our salary cap. Um, but that's the reality. Um, you know, this league is tough. Uh, when, when you have some, some of those long-term decisions that don't pan out the way that you would have hoped, um, you know, it can, can have a, a big impact on your, your current and future roster. Um, and certainly that's where we are right now. But, look, I mean, you know, I hope um, – I've known Freddie for a long time. Um, I would like to say that, that we have a lot of mutual respect for each other. Um, I, I want him to play. I want him to be successful in the worst way. Um, I hope we can work something out so that he can get back on the field and and we can get back to to moving forward with our franchise. Now, now the season's less than uh, two weeks away, and and you know you, you have a pretty good sense of, your, of of how your team looks, and even though you could still you know add players, but where things stand right now, um, what what what's going to make the difference? What do you think is going to be the key for you guys to get back to the playoffs? What will have to happen? 
for you guys to get back into the Eastern Conference playoffs? Well, look, I think all the young guys that you mentioned, you know, from Zach and Jack and Amobi, um, you know, the, the other guys, Antoine, Shannon, Regattis, Roger Torres, they all just have to, you know, understand that the, the next progression for us is for them to improve and, and uh, be really impactful in, in the season that's coming up. And so I think that's one of our keys. Does our young core of players take that next step? You know, and, and do are we making progress? Are we improving? Um, I do think we've added, you know, some some veterans with great experience and, and who bring some different things. And I like the balance there. Um, but we haven't played a real game, you know, yet. Preseason's preseason, and a lot of people like to read a lot of things in the preseason. Um, but you know, until we get to the, the season, uh, we won't truly know all those answers. I guess in the big picture, you know, we feel confident in where we are and what we're doing, um, but we still have to, to step up when the time comes. Well, John, uh, Ivis told me that you're a huge fan of the show, and then I remember before the show we were talking about this, and he, I mean, you were telling me that you hate the music at the beginning of the show and you love the music at the end, right? <laughs> you're trying to get me in trouble. I actually said the opposite. I like the intro music, so um, I'm probably a little more old school than you, so... Um, you know, my, my, my kids try to keep me up to date and it's awful hard cause, uh, uh, I'm, I'm probably, uh, uh, a little older than you. So sorry, but like the intro music. Well, wait, wait, well, John, I mean, what, what kind of music did you grow up with listening to I and mean, what were your favorite bands and groups? Um, I have a pretty eclectic, uh, range of music, but you know, um, I had older brothers and sisters, so. I uh, grew up in the, the 70s rock, and Led Zeppelin was, was huge. But, you know, um, I was in high school in the 80s and from U2 and that kind of genre and then had a you know, little mix of of everything. So um, I like the, the great thing about coaching for so long is I've had a lot of players who constantly will, you know, give me a uh, – burn me a CD and introduce me to some new music so I can kind of keep up with it. And uh, I certainly try to do that and – and your show helps me do that. Nice. So, so John, is it fair to say that you have some hip hop in your in your repertoire in, in your in your iPad, you know, iTunes? Do you have that? I do, I do. But mostly that's because I have three boys that are are very up on all of that, and uh, so um, and again, players too. So, well, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm well versed in it. Well, hey, no, the fact the fact that you listen to it that that's pretty awesome. Well. Uh, I think I think for today's show we'll uh, we'll, we'll do some of your we'll, we'll you know after after the interview we'll uh, we'll ask you for some music and uh, John we want to thank you so much for uh, joining us on the program today. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Ivis, uh, I'm so glad that we uh, talked about that music with John. I mean, dude, talk about an interesting taste. And, and sometimes you forget that having so many players from so many diverse backgrounds. I mean, you're going to hear so many different things in the locker room. Yeah, that's that's a, that's one funny thing that that you know people don't realize is that you know it seems like the coaches in the league are getting a little you know they're getting younger and younger and mm-hmm. and, and you're gonna have coaches who who have some some interesting taste in music and you know he you know not that Hackworth is the youngest coach or one of the two or three youngest but you know he's young enough that that he's gonna have a like he said an eclectic ta- a taste in music and I think I think it's funny that I think it's great that that you know he 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 does listen to hip hop and he actually knows some of the songs that that we've we've actually used for for our intro music he he called my music old and he said yours was more hip but my music's more recent (laughs) 
You got you're into that hipster music that sounds old and and weak. So he, you know he likes that that timeless hip those timeless hip hop classics that that everyone just you know that they 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 never get old and they're still as they're as hot as they were then. Ivis, come on! I don't like all just hipster music. I like every types of music. I, I I was disappointed when he said that to me though. I was I was I was I was so hurt by it. Um, but I was, when when you look at the union though, one of the interesting things is is the is I guess you could look into the MLS preseason too much and and right now I mean the union aren't having the I guess the best of preseasons but Hackworth was talking about that the purpose of the preseason is to play as many players as you can and to get those guys experience it's not about winning the preseason seeing what you have in, in a team and, and I think that's you know the best way to go into the season because if you go 4-0 in the preseason that doesn't matter in the regular season well well it's funny you mentioned that because if I recall correctly I think the union uh, last year, yeah. were unbeaten in the preseason, and if that's the case, I mean, obviously it didn't help them because they, they 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 got off to a bad start. They really never got things going, and and uh, you know, I, I think maybe if anything, that experience showed let let him know, let Hackworth know that hey, you know what, the results don't really matter uh, as much as it's nice to get wins. What matters more is kind of building the team and getting guys minutes and getting a look at everybody and to to see how the team fits together. Well, Ivis, in the midst of uh, all this MLS action that's going on right now. The uh, U.S. men's U-20 team played against Haiti last night. And in typical USA fashion, they uh, had to make things interesting in the second half. I mean, Ivis, when are we going to watch a game and not get a heart attack here? Yeah, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. That's 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 you know we we as American fans we have that we've had that for it seems like you know forever. Uh, and and now the youth teams have kind of picked up where the where the senior team has left off. It's. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when the, when the team jumped out to a 2-0 lead when Luis Gill scored and uh, Cueva scored, I, I mean, I thought things were going good. And then and then you were right. I mean, you called it on the other day's show. I hate giving you props, but I'm going to give you props right now. You said that this defense was going to be the biggest issue on this team, and it was. Well, you know, it, the defense didn't have a great night. But, I, you know, I'll say it here, and I said it, you know, in the piece that I wrote for SBI today that you know when it came down to it you know the midfield and and the front really the front seven the front the front six uh just didn't do a good enough job of of, of staying organized and and contributing defensively and, and what you ended up having was Haiti just attacking in waves counterattacking in waves with speed and and just overwhelming the back four and and I think part of that was was just the, the, the lineup that Ty Ramos put out there. Ty, Ty Ramos put out way too offensive a lineup, and he put out guys out there who just didn't quite comprehend the defensive responsibilities that come with playing a 4-3-3. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it was the formation. Was it the players out of position? Are we trying to force this team into something that is really not? I mean, yes, the team won, and, and that's all fine and dandy. And I mean, as long as they qualify for the World Cup, that's what matters in the meantime. But I mean, we don't want to go out there and see this team struggle because you want these guys to have confidence going into that World Cup. If if they right. qualify, I mean, if I, they qualify, if they qualify. Well, you know, it's what you have now is is uh, a system that you know Jurgen Klinsmann from the top down it, it wants to integrate. And you're seeing, you know, player selections based on that. And, and I think, you know, what we saw, we saw a team that had several skilled players, technical players, but I just think the balance wasn't there. And I, I don't think it necessarily is this, I don't think it's time to panic and say, oh my Lord, like we, we've, you know, this, everything's a mess. Honestly, I just think, it, you know, with a few tweaks in the lineup, I think you could get the balance that the team needs 
When you talk about the midfield, I, th- I still think you can play a 4-3-3. You just have to have balance. And they, because if you don't, if you have wide players who don't track back, who don't defend, who don't keep their, their shape, I mean, that then you have what you had against Haiti. You have a team that just uh, just uh, left gaps wide open for, for Haiti to run in and counterattack in and, and put major pressure on the on the fullbacks. And I think I'm sure Tyrone has them in, in, in film sessions now looking at that. And, and I'm also sure he's going to make at least I'd say at least two, two, if not, you know, more lineup moves lineup changes to, to, to deal with that and, and I think what you're going to see is a lot better balance because you know they, they were just trying to throw throw numbers at Haiti but then they just didn't know how to defend uh, when on the counterattack. And, and before we all start freaking out and, and appointing someone as, as the next savior of the senior U.S. men's national team Daniel Cueva yes Cueva excuse me yes had a very good game but it's just one game and we all just need to take a deep breath no he you know as far as bright spots go he was definitely the bright spot that stood out, and it just so happens that he played. He was playing wide yeah, left, amazing. which is where the where the senior national team could use That's, a player right see, now. This is but, what I'm telling you. Know, he's, he's he's not. He's far away from that. Uh, it'd be great if there was a senior. As we talked about in the last show, it'd be great if a speedy left winger, uh, you know, emerged right now to to kind of give Klinsman another option. But it, it, you know, he he was definitely a promising player, and he's someone who who doesn't maybe get the the, the attention or hasn't gotten the attention uh, of other players in the U twenty pool. But clearly, the Santos Laguna player is someone to watch. Well, I know it, it would. We we just I think we all just need to take a chill pill on that and and not look into one performance. I mean, one it was against Haiti. Uh, and it wasn't the greatest team. Um, I was the, when we look at the U.S. Men's National setup as a whole, though, I mean, let's head over to England, though. I mean, Stuart Holden, I mean, what's the, what's the latest on Holden right now? Well, the, Bolton played a game today against Derby County, and he actually was in uniform. He was on the bench. That is a positive step. He did not play, but, you know, progress is progress, and, and that is a step, in it, and it kind of is more along in line of what Dougie Friedman, both the Bolton manager, had been saying last week that, you know, Holden was right there, and 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 I guess the fact that they had two games so close together is probably why he didn't choose to have Holden on the weekend. But but he was there today, and and you, and again, we're you know we'll we'll be tracking it step by step, and and but again, you know, I think it's just a case of people just need to be patient and 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 realize that it's going to take time, and it's probably going to be in the summer when we see him. You know, hopefully, if everything goes well and he he plays well, uh, the summertime, whether it's Gold Cup or qualifying, I, I think we'll see. Uh, Stuart Holden back in the national team mix. I have U.S. men's national team fans patient. What? What is this you speak of? I know, I know. Well, you know, we'll see what happens after these March qualifiers because, you know, if somehow the U.S. can get four points or six points, then then I think maybe then people will relax a little bit. Well, Ivis, uh, you know, another player who could find himself in the, in the fold just like that is uh, Michael Parkhurst. Um, you know, when we talk about the, the, the right-back position, uh, I mean, Timmy Chandler really didn't wow anyone, but he had a good game. But but you look at a guy like Parkhurst, he just made his first start in the Bundesliga for Augsburg. And just like that, I mean, he could possibly be in the mix for, for some playing time in March. No, he, he no, without question, I mean, he's going to be on the team. Uh, you know, I think Klinsman, Jurgen Klinsman rates him, and, he, you know, he appreciates the value that he brings and the versatility that he brings. You know, he he obviously played at it, started at left back against Guatemala in the last round of qualifying, and and he is you know a more natural right back. So you know he gives you that that versatility. And now that he's playing in the Bundesliga, 
Uh, and he's probably going to start from here on out after the, you know, Augsburg's starting right back uh, suffered a major knee injury. He's out for the year. The door is open now for, for Parkhurst. And he's a veteran player. He's a real confident player. And, and I think he's really going to take full advantage of that. Yeah, and he was called in uh, for that game against Honduras. So it's not like he's totally off the radar for a starting spot. Right. No, he's there. It's funny that, you know, people don't realize that sometimes players get called in and they have to take make this trip all the way, you know, across the globe and then come to a game, sit on the bench, not play a minute, and then get right back on the plane. But that's just part of the life, part of the part of the whole thing. And you know, players do it, and, and you know, they obviously love the, to just be in the mix and and wait for that opportunity. But when you think about it, it's funny. He when he was returning to Germany, you know, on that long trip back, I, you know, I ran into him in Miami, and, and we had a chance to talk. And at that point, you're wondering, you know, when's he going to play again? You know, when's an opportunity going to come along? And wouldn't you know it, that's that that very weekend. Uh, you had the injury to the Augsburg starter. He came in and in, in, in the first half of that game, and and there and there you go. He's off and running. So now he has this opportunity, and and if he can get into a good form, a good level of form, it gives part, uh, it gives Jurgen Klinsmann some options because then you then you can talk about maybe Tim Chandler at left back, and then maybe you can talk about Fabian Johnson on the left wing. Uh, it gives you some options. So you know, I, I think Parkhurst can can very much play a key role in qualifying. Well, you know, I take what you want from this, Ivis. When you look at all the defenders that were called in between Timmy Chandler, Bocanegra, Gonzalez, Parkers, Castillo, Cameron, and Johnson, who get out of those guys, obviously Bocanegra had the number one most experience with the U.S. team. Who's number two? Michael Parkers. Oh, how did you know that? Because you probably wouldn't have asked otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing. <laughs> when you look at it, though, with, with this with this inexperienced defense, I mean, he's number two with 15 caps. It's it's amazing. But, I mean, like I said, take 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 from it with what you want. Uh, but speaking of Parkhurst, though, uh, we have him on the phone right now from Germany, from Osberg. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? We are doing excellent. Uh, with your move over to Germany um, that happened, you know, in December, you just got your first start for the club this past weekend. You know, when, when now when you look back on, on it, has anything surprised you or, or is there anything, you know, kind of taking you back when you look at the German league now? Uh, well, I had high expectations coming in. Uh, you know, I view it as one of the top leagues in the world. Um, you know, a lot of people think that... Uh, it's top two, maybe even the best in the world, and um, and uh, you know I believe it after playing in a, in a game and, and being there on the bench for a few games, the level's very very high, um, the pace is good, and um, the atmosphere in the stadiums is fantastic. When you signed with the team, you knew the competition was going to be tougher for playing time. You have to take the opportunities when they come, and and now the person starting it right back is injured. Now you've taken over the spot. Talk about the process going into the season. You would have to battle now. You have had a few games under your belt. How has it gone for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's always difficult when you enter a new team um, and you don't get a full preseason to uh, to adapt. You know, I had a, a two week preseason, um, which was which was good, um, but it didn't give me enough time to to win over the starting position right away. And then uh, the season started well for us, which is obviously very good, and we need the points. But, uh, of course, that meant that there weren't going to be any changes in the lineup. Um, so, uh, you know, I was on the outside looking in. But, uh, you know, it's, of course, one of those things. Injuries happen. And, uh, you know, that's that's when I ended to get my chance. And, uh, you know, now I need to take advantage of it. Um, I was uh, pretty pleased with my overall play in the first game. But, 
you know, had a, had a big chance to, to score an equalizer and, and didn't, didn't take it. So, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed in that. It's been two games for you, but so far, what's been the big difference for you? Just the speed of play between the Bundesliga and the Danish league? How similar is it to the Champions League for you? Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think uh, the games that I've played in, I don't think they're as as intense as the, the Champions League ones were yet. Um, but I think the overall level is definitely definitely higher than, than Denmark. The game is much faster. Um, you have less time on the ball, um, less time to, to make decisions. Um, the guys tackle harder, and uh, it seems everyone is, uh, is bigger, stronger, and faster. Uh you know, the higher level you get to, that, that's the case. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a jump from Denmark, that's for sure. You know, when you look at your progression, you know, going from MLS to Denmark, now to Germany, I mean, is this kind of something that you planned out or is this something that's kind of happened where you've, you know, where, where you've gone from, a, you know, a stronger league to a stronger league to a stronger league? Um, yeah, it's just one of those things that's worked out for me. Uh, definitely the plan was to go to Europe and to try and get to the highest level possible. Um, as fast as possible. Um, you know, it didn't work out as fast as I would have liked, but uh, in the end, um, you know, I've got no no complaints and uh, no regrets because uh, you know I learned a lot in my time at Denmark. I had some unbelievable experience with the Champions League, and uh, you know now I feel like I'm prepared to to make the jump into German football and hopefully have a positive impact. Coming down to that decision, you had quite a few options on the table, different leagues to go to. Somebody on the outside looking in at your options might see your move to the Bundesliga as a risky one. Uh, what ultimately made the decision for you, and, and did you experience in the Champions League uh, make it easier for you to make that jump and and that and take that challenge? Uh, well, to answer the second question first, I think that uh, the Champions League experience is definitely helping me. Um, just to know, first of all, that I can play at that level and have the confidence in order to come in here and uh, and do well and. Uh, you know, not take a couple games to get under my belt to get used to the level. I'm trying to uh, to get after it right away and make an impact right away. Um, and I think that the experience playing at that high level is, is helping. Um, answer the first question. Um, it, was, it was a difficult decision because there was a lot of interest out there, but there was no offers on the table at the time. Augsburg was the only offer I had on the table um, in December. Um, other than there was interest, but no one was pulling the plug yet. And, uh, you know, Augsburg had obviously set a time limit. We had pushed them and pushed them, and uh, they had been interested for, for a while. So, um, you know, it was a decision of do I take, you know, the guaranteed contract, the guaranteed money, and go to one of the best leagues in the world and hope that uh, we can avoid relegation, or do I sit it out and wait until... To January and see what else comes up, um, you know, concrete. So, um, you know, that, that was a decision that, that was made. And, uh, you know, in the end, we, we wanted the security and didn't want to go into January, um, you know, and, and be in a situation that a couple other guys were in and we, you just don't know what could happen. So, uh, you know, it wasn't the worst option playing for a Bundesliga team. When, when you talk about going in and fighting, uh, for relegation, I mean, ha- has that changed? I mean, kind of what's your mentality going in? I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, you going in there and, you know, you're going to be fighting every single game of the season. That intrigue you a little more? Uh, well, 
I don't think it intrigues me anymore. Uh, I would have been uh, very pleased had you know I've been signing for a team in in eighth place or tenth place or or even higher. Um, you know, it's exciting. That's for sure. Um, you know, every game is is crucial for us, and every point is massive. Um, so that you know it makes it exciting and it makes it um, action and pressure packed. That's for sure. But uh, you know, I don't think it's a situation that you want to be in uh, on, a, on a yearly basis, that's for sure. I had a chance to see you down in Honduras in Miami for your last call-up. Uh, I'm curious about that whole process of being an international and, and having to, to travel you know, all, all the way around the world and, and then potentially not playing in the game and going through that whole process. Uh, uh, what's that routine like, you know, not, you know, just that whole travel process and, and, and all the hours on a plane? What's, what, what's that, what's that experience like? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that just goes with the job. Um, it's not fun. Um, but of course we all love to do it because I mean, we're part of the national team and, and getting that experience. Uh, the travel is difficult for changing the time zones, especially when you're only in for, for one fixture date. Um, if you, you know, fly on a Sunday and you play on a Wednesday, it's, uh, you know, it's a little difficult to get the, the right amount of sleep. So you just have to battle through it for a few days. Um, you know, I think that coming back to Europe is tougher, uh, as far as getting adjusted to the time than, than going to the States. So that's, that's good as far as the national team games, but it's tougher coming back when, you know, you play on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, but like I said, it's all, part of the profession and you get a little bit more used to it the more the more you do it now that you're getting games at augsburg what, what do you think you where do you think you stand and uh how do you like your chances of, of taking on a bigger role in the hex it's a tough one you know it's always changing um you know it depends uh, on a lot of things a lot of factors go into it but uh you know i've, I've been lucky enough to be a, a part of you know for the past uh, over a year now and uh you know you're going it's given me a couple opportunities and uh it's brought me in you know other times where I haven't played and um you know every time that I'm in there I feel that uh you know I'm part of the team and I feel like I belong and I feel like I can I can help and uh so you know just work hard here at Augsburg and you know and prove that you know I can play at this high level and uh, I can help the national team at a high level um you know, I think that if if I can get consistent games under my belt here at Augsburg, it would go a long way to to doing that. And hopefully, uh, you know, if I get a, another chance in the hex, um, you know, I need to prove myself and show that I'm reliable. Uh, you know, hopefully that'll happen. Obviously, after that last result, uh, you know, disappointing loss to Honduras, U.S. fans are pretty nervous and worried. Even though there are nine games left in the in this qualifying round, uh, do you get a sense uh, within the team that at this point uh, you guys are still uh, you know pretty relaxed? Uh, is there a sense of urgency, and, and are you guys pretty confident? Do you feel like the team's pretty confident right now uh, at this point, early on in the hex? Yeah, I, we all talk about it. We all know that uh, going in that it's it's very difficult, um, much more difficult than you know the average American thinks it is. Uh, you know, of course we should beat these countries that are much smaller than us. But um, as you guys know, a lot goes into it when you're playing on the road in these those environments. Um, you know, the competition's getting better every year. And, uh, you know, we've, we know that we've got our work cut out for us. Um, you know, sure, there's no, um, there's 
no panic yet, but we all know that our next game is very important because we don't want to go into Mexico uh, sitting on zero points or one point. Um, you know, that's that's not a good situation to be in. Uh, we need to pick up points, and we need to pick up three of them uh, in the next game, and, and we all know that. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. We know we know it's a little late for you. Are you watching Champions League right now? Yeah, I got it on. Uh, I got it on the TV right now, but I probably won't even make it to the the whole game. <laughs> I go to bed pretty early. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, I've, fans love to hear that. I mean, it's the dedication to the sport. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure, guy. And, and and Ivis, it's always good to see a guy like him. You know, go go through the 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 correct stages of progression versus a guy like you know Josie Altador. That's that's not to knock against Josie Altador, but there's but there's two ways of doing it. You know, you're like Michael, where you go from you know one league that might be better to better to better, or you can go straight to another one. But I mean, he took those small steps, and it's good to see it working out for him. Yeah, absolutely, and you have to you have to appreciate the, the 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 chance that he took. You know, jumping on on the opportunity to sign with Augsburg. I know. Some people looked at, at a move to the Bundesliga and wondered, you know, how he would do there and how, and and could he handle uh, that jump in level? And, and I think, if anything, we saw in the Champions League last year uh, with with you know Norge Island and, and his opportunity to play against teams like Juventus, Shakhtar Donetsk, and play against top level players. Uh, he showed that he can play at that level, and I think he 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 proved it to himself. I'm sure he was already confident, but he proved it to himself. Yeah, and I think people need to realize that 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 showed just how, at how high a level he can play, and now it's the next step. Now he's in Germany, he's in in the Bundesliga, he's in a, in a relegation battle with Augsburg, and, and it's a great opportunity for him because if he can keep it going, keep starting, uh, you know, he is right there in the mix uh, when you talk about World Cup qualifying or, or potentially a starting role in the Gold Cup, depending on how Jurgen Klinsmann wants to, to to you know divide those teams up, but. Uh, he, he's a great story in, in the sense of, of how he's come along, uh, college player to MLS, kind of under you know understated, uh, underrated MLS player who you know he he he'd finished the year with two or three fouls committed the entire year uh, as a center back because he was such a clean player uh, and such a great player reading the game as a center back. Then he moves to Europe, uh, makes the transition to right back, and is, and now like you see it, you see the quality that he brings to that position. So. It's going to be interesting to see how he how he does in that battle uh, for playing time uh, under Klinsman. Well, this Gold Cup is, uh, I mean, it's going to be huge because it's going to give a lot of guys opportunities um, to really make names for themselves. And I mean, I, I mean, it, it it should it should be expected, Ivis, that there's going to be a couple guys who are going to be on this Gold Cup roster who are going to get looks at the senior level based off their performances. And I mean, this could be one of those guys. Oh, without question. And and he's done it before. He's played in the Gold Cup before. He was part of the, the if, I, if I remember correctly, he's part of the 2009 Gold Cup team. So, you know, I think I don't think he's thinking about the Gold Cup, though, to be honest. I think I think he wants to be a part of the qualifying setup, wants to be a part of the games in March and definitely the part uh, part of the games in June. Um, so if anything happens with Timmy Chandler and if Trundolo, you know, is slow in getting back, I think, I think Parker's is absolutely an option there. Well, Ivis says the official home of Chivas USA's talk, uh, do we need to check? Have they traded anyone during the show? Uh, let me check. I'm looking and, uh, no, I don't see, I don't see that. Anything. No, you know what? Although they might've traded, uh, let me see. Do they have any Americans left other than, other than Dan Kennedy? Hmm. No. Well, you know, Juan Agadello is kind of technically an American. He's a U.S. national team player. 
Uh, but they won't trade him because uh, they, that you know, no. they're the, the level. There's certain levels of insanity that even even they won't reach. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see if they get to that. And and as always, fans, this is the official home of Chivas USA Talk. We'll be back again next week for more Chivas USA Talk. Iris, as we close out the show, is there anything that we failed to to touch on that that you'd love to talk about? Well, you know, this week we have we're gonna have three episodes, uh, which is more than normal for a week. But uh, so that you know, I think we've done a pretty good job these last few days of, of trying to touch on a, on as many things as possible. But uh, you know, as we get into Friday, uh, we'll draw closer to the U20s next game. The, the, the U20s return to action on on Friday against Costa Rica, and that's gonna be a very big game for them because they you know they want to win to finish on top of their group and get the easier matchup in the quarterfinals, the all important quarterfinal stage. Uh, and I think, you know, folks that watched that first game, yes, it was an ugly game, uh, especially the second half. Haiti it was ugly. outplayed the Americans. So, you know, people, especially after the Honduras hangover, that's not what you wanted to see. You didn't want to see your, the, the younger Americans looking even even worse or, or looking just as bad. But I will say this, you know, for, all, for as bad as it was, the U.S. still won the game. And it, of all things, you know what? As bad as things might seem, at least you're not Canada. At least you're not the Canadian soccer setup. Their team's out of World Cup qualifying, and now their U20 team, uh, you know, their team for the future. I mean, we're talking about Canada. All right, all right. Uh, come on, team. Ivis. You don't need to dog on Canada that much. I love Canada. I just want to point that out there. All, anything Ivis says, I'm not associated with. I'm not ripping on Canada. I'm just pointing out that the, it's not a good time to be a Canadian soccer fan. On top of the fact that they're out of the World Cup qualifying mix for 2014, Wait, is it ever is it ever a good time to be Canadian sports fan? I mean, when was the last time they hosted the Stanley Cup? Ninety two. See, now you're really, <laughs> you're really trying to get get some hate mail. But listen, back to my point. You keep interrupting me. They their U twenty twenty team lost to Cuba in their first U twenty match. Uh, so now they're they're all of a sudden they have to they play Nicaragua in what's probably going to be a must win match for them. And it's crazy to think that they just might not make the under twenty World Cup. And and if that happens, uh, I don't even want to think about what what the Canadian soccer fans will say because I mean they they're still up in arms over over the nightmare in San Pedro Sula where their national team uh, you know suffered an eight one beatdown to Honduras. So you know you feel for them. And I, I tell you what, I'll be the first to say I would love nothing more than for Canada to have a strong program and to be in the hex and to be one of the teams. Because you know what? That's better for the U.S. Competition is yes. better for the U.S. And and Canada, for as much talent as they produce, you know, go, that goes overseas, you know, they should be better than they are. And it, it's unfortunate. You know, you hear so many so many complaints and so many, you know, talking to the people in Canada about about the lack of organization and how bad their structure is up there. Their leadership just is, doesn't get the job done. You know, hopefully the day comes where they figure it out uh, because it, it's, it will only be better for CONCACAF and better for the U.S. to have a strong uh, you know, Canadian team. I will say one last note. If anything, Canadian the Canadian soccer fans still have their women's national team, their women's bronze medal winning national team, and now that team will have a chance for revenge in June, on June 2nd, against the United States in Toronto. And I can tell you right now, Canadian fans are very are still upset about what happened in the Olympics last summer. So that match is gonna be is gonna be a hot one. Yeah, uh, that was such a game. That was that was a really good game last year. 
Absolutely. And I tell you what, yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm an American and everything. I was just enjoying the game. I just wanted to see an outcome. Both teams gave you something to root for. And that Canadian team is, is easy to root for. Uh, they play with such heart and, and, and they're such a tough team and, and they're a talented team. So even, even though there won't be an, a, you know, a gold medal on the line come June, I think there's going to be some, I still think there's going to be a ton of tension when those teams take the field at BMO Field. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's a good rivalry game, All right? Ivis, uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us. We want to thank Michael Parker's for joining us and John Hackworth for joining us. Ivis, uh, you have a great rest of the day. Hey, take care, youngster, and uh, try to find us some 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 oh. better music there for the oh, outro. Oh wait, 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 wait! The the outro music, as chosen by John Hackworth, is gin and juice. We we did not choose this; he chose this. So uh, everyone enjoy and uh, everyone have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening.